welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. You know, it's not every day that I would say that there's someone in the proverbial studio that is probably as close to a kindred spirit that I could think of, and I think the audience has got to know me over the, over the years, and that is the, the notion that Fortune 500 companies, there's not a single Fortune 500 company that doesn't have a mission statement, that doesn't have a purpose, that doesn't have some kind of KPIs or quantifiable benchmark as to know whether they're on track or not. There's something that perhaps is a lot more important, important than business, and that's life. And yet, most people, and this is a discussion that we had some time ago with my very esteemed guest, Shmuel Reichman, that the basic questions of purpose and meaning and both of us have been through the, the hallowed halls of Harvard and, and some of the, uh, the best-known tertiary institutions of the world. And you, there's terrific um, ideas and there's tools to better yourself in, in biology and economics, but the tools to understand the meaning of life, the purpose, and how to be successful at this journey is lacking. So firstly, Shmuel Reichman, an honor and a pleasure. Welcome to the Anthony Gordon Show. Pleasure is all mine. It's good to be here. So it's it, it's it, I meant everything I said. I think that your you and I have a, there's a tremendous overlap and there's a genuine sense of being in sync. So I think knowing the audience as I do, while I'll fly through a little bit of context, highly uh, many many years in academia as uh, you know, not dissimilar to uh, the scholastic journey I went on, uh, undergraduate, master's degree, uh, spent. Uh, a year at Harvard, as I said, at the Ivy Plus, as an Ivy Plus scholar, pursuing a PhD at the University of Chicago. I think what the first question, and I always think, what would the listener want to hear is, can you give us a sense of at what point in your life journey, so we can put this in context, did you sort of have this moment of clarity and say, I think that most people don't really think through why are we here? And if I can impart information and knowledge that'll help people get some clarity and get a better insight into this GPS and get a roadmap for success, I can be helpful to people. And that speaks to me. This is sort of my life mission. I'm sort of putting words in your mouth, but that's my sense. At what point did you sort of did that gel? And the flip side is if you had to, summarize what your what you feel um, you would like your legacy you know what you would like to impart to our listeners and to the world at large what would that be so i guess i'll start with the second question because that's kind of the main essence of my journey as in when you really think about it most people who give you the here's why I do what I do. Here's the purpose of life. Here's like, they're the people who are on stage, the people who are changing the world. And yep. everyone else has told like, oh my gosh, like I can live my best self, but then I have to do what you do. Like, what, so basically like the people who tell you how to live your passion, how to live your purpose are the people who are the speakers, the you know world changers and everyone else is inspired by them, but then is reminded that they're not them. So they have to become them or they have to go. So I have a little bit of a cliched starting point where I had the near-death experience. I had oh, wow. the... I was 18 years old. I was studying in Israel and I had this pain in my chest and it spread to my head and I passed out. 
And if you've passed that before, you know that you usually just wake up. And I didn't just wake up. I had to like struggle to come back to consciousness. And this wow. happened basically every week for five months. And I went to doctors. They had no idea what was happening. And I had the midlife crisis at 18. And I started asking myself, wow. I, th- I literally think I'm going to die. I've never really thought about why I'm living. And I you know, went through that existential crisis. And I made a commitment during that process to see what I was capable of. Say like, you know, I might not live longer, but what can I do with my life? What am I capable of? And I started exploring my mind, my my inner dynamics. I started building skills and talents. I taught myself music. I started to develop myself in every way. And then it turned out that where I had was vasovagal. It's not dangerous as long as you just know what the triggers are and make sure you lie down on the floor when it comes on. Because the real, <laughs> real danger is if you lose consciousness while standing up and then you can get a concussion. But wow. I never stopped. I never stopped. And I started to seek out every type of form of wisdom I could, whether it's biblical wisdom or philosophy or secular, like every form, psychology, like financial relationships, everything. I saw I sought out mentors and teachers. I read everything I could and I tried to get the best education I could possibly get. And what I started to realize is that there are two types of people in the world, you know, people who break people up in two types of people who don't know. But there are two types <laughs> of people. There are people who believe they don't have any limitations. They can become anything. And there are people who have these mental blockages. They convince themselves that I'm normal and everyone else who's doing amazing things, like they're just different. They're right. genetically different. They're just born in better circumstances. They're just lucky. And I'm here to be on the, you know, I'm going to watch them from the stands. And my real passion became telling them you don't need a a midlife crisis or a near-death experience to wake up to really start living your best self. And that's, you know, existentially, intellectually, emotionally, physically, financially, relationships, pushing on all fronts and just immersing yourself and seeing what, because we have no idea what the human potential is if you actually go full force for your entire life. We just don't, it's mind-boggling to think about that. And like during that journey, I kind of realized that everyone who's like on the public stage will generally have like, here's the, you know, key to success. Like, here's the thing that will change your life. Right. And they all contradict each other, right? This person will see like, it's all about relationships. They're just going to say like, it's all about, you know, getting ahead. It's all about willpower, all about, you know, getting up in the morning. It's all about mastering the art of gratitude. Like everyone has their own thing. And maybe it's three things, maybe it's seven things. But when you start acting ideas, when you start building a system, an integrated system of thought, and you start actually seeing what your mind is capable of, seeing how you can craft and mold your inner perceptions, you start to live on a different level because you start asking the why questions. Like, why do I do what I do? Why don't I do what I should be doing? What is it that I should be doing? How do I think? How do I learn? Maybe I'm not like everyone else. I have to understand who I am. And then once you build yourself, you're unstoppable. You can do anything. You can, And that's really the question. What do you do once you become extraordinary? And there are two different perspectives. One, it's all about me. And yep. the other is it's all about we. And when you live impact-oriented, when you live for contribution, when it's not about you, but you're living for something bigger than yourself, like those are two different types of grades. 
They're the greats who they're the center of attention all the time. They want yeah. to be the platform. They want like their name is on everything. And then there are people who are far greater. And yet all they want to do is help others. All they want to do is make a contribution and devote their life to other people. So my life, like I'm younger than most people who are doing what I'm doing. Yeah, for sure. And, and I I am like, there are no limits. Like I'm just getting started. Yep. And once you start living this way, and you know this just as well as I do, there's no going back. Like there no. is no going back. <laughs> like you just, it's like a, it's like fuel. Yep. Like every, like most people, when you ask them, how are you doing? Like, I'm okay. When you're living this type of life, like there's no okay. Like life is extraordinary. You have bad days. You have horrible days. Things break apart. Things don't go as planned, but you're living at a different playing field. And it's a different way of experiencing life. It's a life of meaning and purpose, a life of growth, a life of content, a life of ideas, a life of contribution. And you know, that's, that's the journey so far. And as I said, we're just getting started. So this is amazing. Obviously, I mean, you know from our, our um, sort of one-on-one -on -one conversations, this is uh, this is candy. You know, I'm a kid in a candy store. This is my whole life as well. So there's some there's some person now driving on the New Jersey Turnpike on the four or five freeway, or you're in Chicago. I don't know what the main the main, and they're thinking to them, they're listening to this podcast. They're saying definitely. I know Antti's a high energy guy. This guy's a Duracell bunny. He's pumped. It's, it, I, I can hear the authenticity. And I think one of the reasons why this podcast has had some success is I think that it's very, uh, very much addressing the white elephants in the room and very sincere. So let's address the white elephants in the room. So the guy driving down the, the New Jersey Turnpike is going to say, smart guy, resonates with me. He's dead right. But isn't this what Tony Robbins is saying? What's different from what Shmuel Reichman saying to what Tony Robbins? And I'm not knocking Tony Robbins got a beautiful, successful, and he's helped tons of people. Can you help us with the differentiator? I'm only reason why I'm using that as a as a benchmark because a basic comparison. He's probably best known uh, in the world of trying to improve the quality of people's lives. So I want to get a differential. So that is the million dollar question. I've spent years and years studying Tony. And I've yep. I've studied at Harvard, I've studied at University of Chicago, I've studied at Yeshiva University, I've studied at many different universities. I am not an academic, even though I am, as in I am an experientialist, I'm an existentialist, I'm a philosopher, I'm a thinker. And for me, wisdom is about impact and experiencing and living it, not just analytics and not just yep. you know, being, you know, it's not about prestige. It's not yep. about being known. It's about living the extraordinary and helping others do it. So I've studied Tony and I've studied his system. I've studied all of his content. I've, you know, I'm, I'm a certified coach. I got it from Tony Robbins Academy. Like I love Tony. And I've asked myself the same question. You know, I'm, I'm a from Jew and I, I always grapple with where is Tony in the line of my personal perspective yep. of truth and what is truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's two things that I would say that limit Tony. Cause I think that, Starting the question with what's wrong with Tony, don't start like I'm, I'm giving a lecture at a big conference, you know, Torah and Tony Robbins, you know, where the twain shall meet. And the real question is where, where do they meet? Like, what's the good in Tony Robbins? Mm -hmm. and the idea of the integration of thought and emotion and motion and physiology and living your purpose and understanding the power of financial success. And 
there's like understanding finances, understanding how yeah. to be successful in all fronts of life, understanding yeah. how to get into a state, how to get out of a state, understanding how to maximize your resourcefulness, not just your resources. Understanding all of the things that Tony talks about, they're great. And I think that the biggest reason why people are cynical and, and a little bit Mm-hmm. judgmental for Tony is because he gets a bad rap for being a motivational speaker, for being yep. an inspirational speaker. He's he's a thinker. He has a lot yeah. of actual content and people give him a bad rap just because he's so different and people are dancing and jumping up. Right. His things. You know, it's like, it's not a lecture. He's not getting, he's not giving a lecture in any academic no. institution anytime soon. But I think that the positivity can be balanced because I think there's two things. Number one is that I do find a lot of contradictions in a lot of the principles that he says, because Tony is a strategic thinker, not a philosophical thinker. So he doesn't get to the core of ideas. He gets to the core of application. So he will give you great strategies, but one of them will be fully focused on being kind to someone. The other will be basically fully self-focused. Another will be fully focused on this. And then, and there's no nuance. There's no synthesis. There's no system at, the heart and he's just telling you brilliant ideas and yep. he has like he's trained with some psychologists and he has some systems in place but there's no elemental fundamental core thought at the center i would agree number two is and this is the struggle with viral content tony's impact from the get-go was always destined and designed to be viral he yep. was trying to change the world and whenever you do that you have to find common denominators so he takes god and he takes a lot of terminology that is necessary for certain types of living he takes it out of the equation yep for sure and and that's really useful it's really useful and it's very powerful because it allows people who would be once again cynical of purpose and meaning they now they, they walk into it and they're ready to to see where this goes. Yep. And I talk to atheists all the time about what their understanding of meaning is, what their understanding of purpose is. And everyone has their own, like atheists live out the religious life without religious terminology. And we're not going to have a metaphysical religious conversation now, but the idea of meaning, the idea of purpose, the idea of ideas, the idea of truth, mm-hmm. the idea of like something meta physical that you are walking into something beyond your physiological experience the fact that ideas exist. Yeah. So that Tony allows people to walk into an experience that even if they're they wouldn't in other environments, but because he takes it out of the equation, two things happen. Number one, Tony Robbins becomes the god of his universe. Yep. Yep. Without a question, Tony Robbins 100%. is the god of his universe. And he's also the name of his brand, right? There are different types of branding. You brand an idea, you brand a concept, you brand yourself. Yep. So Tony Robbins is the god of his universe. People love Tony. They don't love his ideas. Number two is that in the reflective way, when people want to become great, they become the god of their own universe. There's no higher destiny. There, and even the idea of contribution, if you really get to the core of it, the idea yep. of contribution is really just for yourself. It's so you can feel good about yourself. It's so you can feel like you're the best person in the room and you can you know, feel morally superior. It's not about becoming part of something bigger than yourself. And it can't be 
because he wouldn't allow it to be, because then you get into so many problems with terminology, with people who are only coming to his events because they want to become financially successful or want to fix their marriage Mm -hmm. or want to work on themselves. They don't care about helping others. They don't care about any higher truth. They care about themselves. And from a pure marketing perspective, like Tony is a marketing genius and he understands how to succeed, but there's the cost. Now, what Tony actually believes, I'm very, very certain Tony believes in higher power. I'm very, very certain Tony believes in something beyond himself. Terminology is irrelevant, just semantics. Like he's an emotional existential guy and you can see it. You can see how he acts. But in terms of what is lacking, that's what I would say are the two real lacking components. Very interesting because I happened to be in November last year, a a scholar in residence at the first Tony Robbins conference in Miami called Unleash the Power Within. And your analysis, I concur with. And I had to tell the, I don't know, 150 people that were at this, um, the sort of side seminar uh, that to your point, if you don't have deference for a higher power. And if you think that you fully control what's going around you, if you are the center of your universe, then you're going to be in for disappointment because you realize that you cannot control. <clears throat> um, and when that bump in the road happens and you're the center of the universe, you may feel duped. You may feel one second. I thought, you know, the law of attraction means if as long as I think positively, uh, it's, and you and I know it doesn't work like that. It's interesting as well. There's a scene someone brought to my attention um, in a net Netflix movie on SpaceX, where probably the best known uh, atheist today is Elon Musk, and he screams, "Oh my G dash D!" when the when the fourth. <laughs> so I, I I think that it's very difficult. Um, I think it's very difficult to be intellectually honest and and say the buck stops with you. I'm concur completely with your analysis. Now, now take me um, and the audience to how the essence of the content of Self Mastery Academy um, differs from the content. We, we're using Tony as, again, just pedagogically as like a benchmark here, differs from, say, Tony and what you want a subscriber or a successful student who's been through your material, um, what transformative experience do you want them to experience? That's a great question. And I mean, Self-Master Academy is just an expression of my own journey. And for me, I'm a thinker. I'm very deep, I'm very contemplative, I'm very self-aware. And I think that the essence of life is self-awareness. When you realize that you have, you know, essential, intellectual, emotional, physical, you know, relationship and financial components to your life. Yep. So many people are walking, doing, acting, living, and they're not thinking. They're not questioning. They're not deepening. When you start to say, who am I? Right? How do I think? How do I learn? How do I engage? What type of personality do I have? What talents do I have? What skills have I developed? What am I not good at? What can I get better at? You start asking questions. I think Tony is great for short-term massive success. But I think, and and Tony is just an example. I think all of these programs are. But when you are trying, and I love Jordan Peterson, but Jordan Peterson is fantastic. He's, you know, I would say three levels deeper. But 
even Jordan Peterson, you know, we can talk a lot more about, you know, what I, I, I have a lot to say on Jordan, but uh, uh, as, yeah. the, the real essence of life is being fully self-aware, understanding, experiencing, and loving the journey. And so many people, they, their, their worst nightmare is being alone in a room by themselves right. or alone by themselves because they can't stand themselves. No, it's yep. like in the emptiness within themselves because they're not fully alive. And when you are fully alive, you love them. I mean, great people love being by themselves. They love people too, but they love being by themselves. Why? Because they're full. They're, they're just so much content and thought and vibrancy and energy within them because there's so much within them because they've invested. So the essence of Self Master Academy is a deeper, more contemplative journey where you go past just the exercises and application and into the underlying concepts and ideas. Then you can express them. Number two is what I've devoted my life to is building a harmony and a synthesis where you can integrate all these different principles together. So integrating the concepts of purpose, your unique purpose, understanding the concept of mastering willpower, of how to create goals that last, how to build your environment, how to you know build your social network, how to master your physical health, how to become financially successful, how to build great relationships, how to interconnect all the areas of your life together, what happiness actually means and looks like, and where all the principles and ideas come together. Great wisdom, great wisdom, it feeds off of other ideas. And when you can give a lot of great concepts or great tools, but it just, it doesn't fit together. It's just a bunch of clunk. Yep. And art, art, beauty is when things come together, when you have an actual integrated system. So for me, my goal is always to just light people on fire, but not in a fluffy motivational way, a way that synthesizes the greatest content with the greatest expression of that content with the greatest organization. So for example, you have great speakers Yep. Or fluff, you have great intellectuals who don't know how to communicate. Right. And also there are people who don't know how to organize content in the right way. So speaking is a skill. Speaking, any speaker knows that it takes yep. years to understand how to build content where you're sharing ideas, stories, jokes in the right way, in the right order, weaving it together. That is the seamless expression of awesomeness. And people have to, they don't even understand how awesome it is until they break it down and analyze it. Yep. As it's just this like, whoa, that was awesome. But whoa, what just happened? Like that was too good to be true. Yep. And it's where pieces, it's like a great song. It's just a bunch of individual notes. But when it comes together in the right way, you don't hear the notes anymore. It's just a, just music, just a song. Yep. And that's what my goal was, was to create a system, a system that takes you through the fundamental questions of building your ultimate self and gives you the strategies, the principles, and the foundation to spend the rest of your life working on it. So it's not a quick fix that gets you motivated and gets you going. It gives you the underlying core. And for, I mean, like hundreds and hundreds of people have taken the course and it's been amazing because we've had people all different stages of life, people who are like, you know, late teens or early twenties, you know, building themselves, building themselves professionally. We have people who are, you know, professionals trying to excel, get to the next stage of their career. We've had people who have, you know, kids or grandkids and just want to be better parents, just want to be better people, want to be more self-aware, want to harness their potential. And I've had people who have retired and they're not even looking to succeed. They're just like asking themselves, like, I never really spend time working on myself. I mm -hmm. want to become great. And when you understand that greatness 
is not objective. It's not being the best in the room. It's being the best you can be. It's always comparing yourself to who you were yesterday. It's saying, you know, what 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 inner demons have I not confronted? What am I struggling with that yep. I just have put off? And you just say it's time. It's time to confront yep. these battles and wage war with becoming my ultimate self. And there's just nothing else to do in life. You can spend your life distracting yourself yeah, from I'll the just... challenges and questions, or you can go to war. And it's the greatest war. It's the war to become great. And that's what life is. Couldn't uh, concur with you more. So I want you, it's a terrific segue to uh, the following. Um, two of the lectures, two of the talks I, I uh, gave over Passover at a certain place or germane to our discussion. The one talk was um, the impact of social media. And I'm not talking about uh, necessarily um, base content or um, the neuroplasticity and neurologically and cognitive what happens as a result of social media, but a phenomenon whereby we've gone from being proactive to reactive, whereby we are now passive repositories and basically are open to whatever pop culture imparts. And if you stop the average Gen Z or millennial and ask them certain questions, and I've tried this, they tend to parrot what, what they picked up by osmosis. If you peel back the onion and then say to the person, what, what do you mean by that? They get angry because they, they, they haven't thought it through. They feel undressed and they would push back. And, and that's the way of, of, of trying to neutralize the conversation. So I'm interested in your thoughts because it, it comes up a lot in the work that I do is to, to what extent has your observations and the work that you do um, as a CEO of Self Mastery Academy, the kind of material that you disseminate how has that become perhaps more germane or compounded by the proliferation of technology and social media, which has impacted the world in an in a, a enormous, and I think, deleterious way? I think that's a great question. And I think it's the question of our generation because one of the most foundational principles of life is that everything is purely potential. Yep. Right, you can use it, and this is a deep thought in religious philosophy and just regular philosophy. You can use something for the good or for the bad. You can use money to create amazing institutions. You can use it to, you know, fund horrible, horrible agendas. You can use confidence to go and inspire people. You can use it to, you know, corrupt people. You can use wisdom to inspire people or to corrupt people. Everything can be used for the good or for the bad. And social media is the most unprecedented in terms of scale, in terms of just the, the massive potential for positive and the massive un, unthinkable potential to destroy people. Yeah. And you see both. Like for me, I, I use social media every single day. I share content, I share ideas, I share videos, I share articles. And I'm the ultimate goal is to build an audience that will delve deeper and deeper and deeper. So originally I used to share actual lectures on social media. I used to share like, you know, 45 minute content. No one has the, the, <laughs> yes. the inclination to even view it. Right. So you have to build a strategy where you're basically funneling people from like, you know, inspiring little quotes, little ideas, little clips, little messages, little ideas. And then they go to your website, they see your much more in-depth content, your actual content. 
but social media for i mean it's a different struggle to be a content sharer than a content absorber and it's it's a parallel struggle but for most people what social media does is it creates an identity that is a mirror of something outside of yourself right so yep. you become something other than you are because your sense of identity is harnessed from something outside of yourself. So one great example is thinking of yourself as a thermometer or a thermostat. So a thermometer, it just measures its surrounding temperature. It becomes a reflection of its surroundings. And a thermostat, you set the temperature and it creates the environment outside. So most people, they, and, and this is hard to really acknowledge, and, and I'm not... It's hard to say this because some people will be like, it'll hurt. But a lot of people, if you really think about how you've constructed yourself, yep. and this is definitely, it's how you start off in high school. You say, what do people want me to be? What do yep. people want me to dress like? What do people want me to talk like? What type of views do people want me to have? And some of those might be good, but it doesn't matter if they're good because you haven't chosen them. Yep. So you end up becoming the compository of nothing other than other people's views and there's a great quote that most people they become a reflection of what they think other people think they want them to be yes very well you don't put. know what anyone else thinks of you. you don't know what they want of you and yes your parents might tell you but so much of what people do when they leave their parents house especially in high school on is they just want social acceptance because yes. you start off with this meta awareness that i exist and in order to get self-worth and an identity you believe that you need other people to like you yep. so you craft your personality and everything you do based on what you think other people think they want you to do to be cool to be accepted to be you know popular whatever it is and it never it just i mean the actual structure changes as you go to college as you get a job as you mature but that concept is the same people just want acceptance and when you learn it works the opposite that when you start from internal and you say i want to fall in love with myself and not in a fluffy way but in a deep way like i want to become my true self i want to build an actual identity that is a manifestation of who i truly am you work inside out so you're getting your views from thinking them through from really learning from really contemplating from really building yourself and getting one of the things i try to you know for, for coaching clients i like to have them write down how they see themselves and what they think outside of their mind because so many people they have this like clutter in their head of what they believe in life what they think what they think of themselves what they think of mm -hmm. everything because they haven't actually clarified their views now if you're a philosopher if you're a writer if you're a speaker you have to clarify your views yeah if you're a normal person, and there's no such thing as a normal person, but I just mean relative to someone who literally is paid to clarify their ideas and being able to articulate your thoughts, being able to understand what you understand is a superpower. Most yep. people don't have that because they've never been forced to confront who they are. So if you start writing your story, writing how yeah. you became who you became, writing down what you think in life, you start to realize you have so many internal contradictions. Yeah. That you don't even know what you know. You don't even know what you think. That so many of it is just an absorption of other people's opinions and views and lectures you heard, books you read. You have this literal clutter. Mm -hmm. You start creating art by putting pieces back together. Once you pull them apart, you can start saying, wow, I don't know anything on this topic. And wow, this I've never actually, this is just something I heard someone say and I pretended that was my view. I don't actually even know why I believe that. And then you start to build your mind. And then once you build your mind, you start to realize that the ideas you believe affect how you feel. 
affects how you feel about yourself, about life, about meaning in the world, about how you see other people, about what you think in the terms of what you should be doing with your time. And then you start viewing yourself with respect. You start respecting yourself. Mm-hmm. You working on yourself. And then you start respecting your time. Like most people don't respect their time. Right. right? Most people, especially when you live nine to five, where you're not actually being paid for your time, you're being paid for a job, you lose yep. track of how to value your time. Because you're just like, yep. you know, stamp in, stamp out, spend time with your kids, watch some TV. You're not living. Mm-hmm. Right? Start taking advantage of your life. Things really change. And then social media becomes, what, what, what are the advantages of social media? Means of connection, means of gaining information that is by no means true, but information. And that's, by the way, just to, to finish up with the positive of social media. The other positive is being able to impact, being able to share, yeah. being able to be someone who shares something positive with right. the, the, the concept of massive global interconnection. But the biggest challenge that I would say a consumer of information has is that it used to be that brilliant people share information. Mm-hmm. I'm not a negative person by any means. No, you, you have to finish your sentence. I completely agree. Who's writing books nowadays? Anybody, right? Anybody. It, it, it's like, but it's such a challenging notion for someone who wants to become brilliant, wants to become great. Where do you go? So finding quality information, finding quality yeah. people. By the way, that was when I was younger, I saw the greatest intellectuals and let's say, like, for, for example, I'll give you like a little Jewish background. A lot of people are experts in like different fields, right? So yep. one person is an expert in, you know, family issues. Another person is in, you know, Jewish legal law. Another mm-hmm. person is an expert in more, you know, analysis. Another person is a great speaker. Another person is really good for, you know, psychology. But there's no person who's really good for everything. Right. So when you find your person for one thing, it's not enough. You have to find another person for another thing. And let's say you struggle. Let's say you can't find out. So what happens is, is that once you find your person, then you, whatever that person shares, it's like thought leadership, whatever that person shares, you consume. So I was thinking like, what if I can become the type of person who's like a one-stop shop for many different areas of life? Because then once people buy into you, let's say they buy into you for one area, then if you become a master in other areas, you can help them there too, because they're going to come to you because they already bought in. So it's a problem that becomes a solution when, and becoming great at one thing is almost impossible. Becoming great at many things, like talk about Elon Musk, becoming great at many things is like beyond impossible. Once you're immersive, like once you devote your life to it, then that impossibility at first builds momentum. Then you start to realize yep. the possibility of anything. So the biggest struggle is the massive <clears throat> quality of information. Mm-hmm. And that's why people, like a lot of people are pessimistic because they've experienced such low quality of information ideas. And especially when you go to university where I'm not going to get started in the problems of university. <laughs> I've, I've gone to, I have like a lot of degrees. I've been to a lot of institutions, 99.9% of what I do, what I know, what I think, and how I view the world came outside the system, right? The system is meant to have be group think, prepare to enter the workforce and be a, you know, a productive worker in the world, not designed to help you become great, to become thoughtful, to become independent, or to actually pursue anything meaningful in life. And they pretend like they do, but they don't. And once you find great, like you find a great thinker, like a yeah. great personality that could be like the next two years of, of content for you the no. biggest the most depressing thing is once you finish that person's content 
And then if there's no more, if they're, let's say, you know, not producing new content, you just like get so depressed because like yeah. I can find someone who's like at that caliber, it just, <laughs> right. it just doesn't exist. Yeah. Anyone who knows what I'm talking about, you know, it's like when you finish a great book. Yeah. And, I was just like, and like, it'll have you like a great film. Well, have the means like, you know, you shouldn't really compare it to just like a completely different category. It, it's just such a sad thing. There's something so pure and beautiful because it was so amazing while it lasted. And you know, it's gonna, like you're going to carry it with you as you go on. It's going to impact how you see the world, but it's over. Yeah. It's like the depression of death. Yeah. And the concept of death when it comes to content where a great content provider is no longer able to provide you with anything new. Now, yes, you can go over it again. And when you go over it again, you'll bring so much new depth to it because you'll be new. You'll have developed as you've gone through the journey, but it's not the same. Yeah. And, and it's like the very, very, very best when you hold yourself to the caliber of immersing yourself in their thought, their ideas, their content then once you're done with that content, that's, it leaves a gap. Yeah. And so and, and it's very easy to give up and say, yeah, I can't find anything as good. Like I'll just lower my standards, but you have to keep striving. And, you know, maybe, maybe you'll become the person who provides the next <laughs> So I, I, I can relate to a lot, a lot of what you're saying. I'm, I'm going to st stick to the, um, the same basic theme. So at the same retreat, there was a very, a very difficult topic uh, that, I decided to attack, hopefully, with a lot of discretion, diplomacy, and hopefully was, uh, you know, said not in a condescending way. And the, the topic was, um, there seems to be um, a disproportionate amount of financial success within the cohort that you and I fall into. Um, there's never been so much uh, materialistic success um, in the observant Jewish uh, part of America. So why are we not celebrating? So one of the things that I shared with the audience and I want to get your thoughts on is that I think when people don't spend the time and most don't building one's internal world and building and asking the questions, um, so the existential questions that we broached and getting a sense of why I'm here, what are my proclivities, what are my blind spots? If one doesn't build that world and have a real comfort one's own skin and comfort in one's own company, I believe there's a, a tendency to overcompensate by certain external exogenous things and the fancy car and the fancy house. And it, it's, it's, it's overcompensating for, I think, some sense of internal nihilism that they that haven't worked through a lot of these issues. And what I take into its logical conclusion, one, you're talking about identity, One's self-worth becomes synonymous with, with, with one's net worth. Um, and then it becomes very tricky because when the guy walks, uh, moves in two houses down, he gutters the house, and now you've got a six-bedroom house and he's building an eight-bedroom house. So one second. <laughs> then all these weird emotions, and when you stop and pause, I think, I think a large part of it is because um, success has become defined very much in the financial term instead of financial terms instead of being holistic as a person there's so many other silos and disciplines that we discussed it's a huge problem to have never seen such ostentatiousness i've never seen it's ubiquitous i'm interested in your thoughts on that yeah so it's a it's one of those it's one of those great questions where a lot of people who are striving intellectually or philosophically or religiously like they they try to avoid the question of money 
because money is such a such a complicated topic because Mm -hmm. first of all in terms of just the struggle where people who want to be successful immediately lean towards financial success it's quantifiable Mm -hmm. quantify like how do you measure mental emotional existential progress right how do you actually unless you're super self-aware which is literally the skill set of life self-awareness like the example i like to give is that building your internal self it's like slabbing it's like building a sculpture so when you initially like work on an attribute. So you want to be more patient. You want to be, you know, work on your physical fitness. You want to work on being more emotionally present in your relationships. You want to work on being more grateful. So initially when you start working, it's like slapping off, it was like slapping off a giant slab of stone when you're building the sculpture. And it's easy to see progress because you just took off a giant hunk. Yep. But if you're sculpting human being, you know that after you take off that giant slab, you have to start building the features. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, a little bit there. And it's it's about literally it's it's magnified exponentially in terms of importance, but the yep. actual progress is so infinitesimal. It's so yep. small, so gradual. It's mm-hmm. so easy to say, I'm not making progress, so you give up. So working on virtues, working on attributes, working on becoming extraordinary in all of the things that you're working on, it's very hard to quantify. Financial success is easily quantifiable. Look at your bank account. So it becomes a very, it's the same thing with physical exercise versus mental or emotional exercise. Physical exercise, I exercise every single day. And it's, it's a fundamental part of living at the highest level, mentally, emotionally, existentially, spiritually. But there are people who, they're, they worship their body. Yep. They worship their body because once again, it's quantifiable growth. You can see the weight loss. You can see the muscle gain. Mm-hmm. You can see, you can go further, faster. It's, you can quantify it. And one successful tool is learning how to quantify, you know, existential growth, but without being too stuck on the quantifiable nature of it, because it really, it does transcend quantifiable characteristics in some sense. So that's number one. Number two is, and this is much more fundamental, it's that there's so many different views of money. There's the spiritual view which demonizes money, which is so easy. It's so easy and it lacks nuance, it lacks depth, and it lacks any long-term solution to the fundamental human problem because we are, you know, people like to demonize capitalism, but capitalism is run on the concept of human potential and human value. What is money? Money, like think about the concept of what and we can talk about the spiritual nature for a different time, but the nature of money is an expression of value. So money itself is potential. It's What's nothing it? other than potential. It can be anything. Mm-hmm. The corruption of money is when people want money for the sake of money, right? I mean, you just want the money itself because it gives yeah. you a sense of I'm powerful and I can be anything, do anything, but then you become nothing other than potential. Yeah. The other expression of money is not just the fact that it's potential, but it is the valuation and evaluation of human potential. So the idea of getting paid without getting into the spiritual nature and why this is, you know, Adam's curse, Adam's curse of getting, you know, having to actually work for a living, but what's the nature of getting paid for your work? It's the idea that you get paid for your value. The more valuable you become, the more you get paid. Now, the the 
the disconnect is that people think it's a corrupt system. There's a level of corruption, no question. People are born into money, people who just, you know, abuse money 100%. But the idea of understanding that the more extraordinary you become, the more valuable you, the more valuable you become and the more valuable you think you are, mm-hmm. especially for people who charge money for the hour. Like yep. there are people who, there are people who, undervalue themselves to a mind-boggling degree. And then there are people who overvalue themselves. Now, self-awareness is key because you can corrupt the concept, especially when you decide how much you charge. Of course, you won't get any return clients or any referrals when you're (laughs) not exactly providing much value. But for me, my coaching business, I remember like way, way, way undercharging. And people, one of my clients literally told me, you have to charge more. I'm going to be your first client who charges myself more for your value because you're not valuing yourself. Now, for me, I'm very confident. I'm, I never undervalue myself. And there's a beautiful quote that sometimes you have to believe in someone else's belief in you, even if you, even if you don't yet believe it in yourself. I never struggled with that because no one ever believed in me. My entire journey, I was the only one. When I, I was pre-med in college and I shifted into Change the World, you know, the track of Change the World, my parents said, what in the world are you doing? Like, there's no paycheck for changing the world. And like I was the only one who really believed in myself, but like I had an experience of someone saying like, you have to start charging more for your time. And when you start understanding the idea of money as just a limited translation of the value you provide, it changes the way you view money. And then the next step and the most important step is not only the concept of why people pursue money and what money is a reflection of in terms of value, but what money actually allows you to do. Yep. For anyone who's actually pursuing this journey, if you really are striving for success, you know that after the initial start of this process, which is working on yourself, mm-hmm. which is selfless selfishness, as in I want to become the greatest version of myself, but why? So I can provide everything I become to others, to my family, to my community, to my nation, to my religion, whatever your belief system is without bogging anyone down to a specific ideology, the concept of outward expression of everything you are, the most selfless thing you can do is selfishly invest in yourself when you can. And once you have a family, it's really hard. Right? If you didn't build a foundation before you have a family, yep. it's hard because you don't have the independence. You don't have yep. the ability to risk, to financially risk, to existentially yep. risk, to go yep. anywhere, to do anything. But it's never too late. And that means that, yes, it will be more difficult. And yes, it can create struggles because we've already built a family. So changing yourself will change the family dynamic. You can build a family and who you decide to become. It creates problems. Yep. And people who go on different spiritual journeys or different types of journeys, everyone knows the struggles that come up. but once you are pursuing greatness, the next step becomes impact. And everyone who has tried to make an impact knows that there is zero impact without financial success. Yeah. Now, the financial success doesn't need to come from you. But the moment it doesn't come from you, the impact is not really yours. Because whoever is supporting the impact gets to decide the impact. Yeah. So the biggest struggle for people who are creators, people who are thinkers, people who are, they want to do such good in the world, they, they don't financially succeed because financially supporting your creativity, especially if it's like music or a creative product, is virtually impossible. Yeah. Like you see the success stories, there are like billions of, I, I didn't make it, right? Yeah. So, 
like what, what, what happens that it's just so difficult to market yeah. monetize content ideas creativity art yeah, until very- you die your art isn't worth very much so what happens what happens is that you either give up on the dream you give up on the art or you sell out, right? You, yeah. you lose the idealism and you find out what you can do to market and monetize it well, or you get someone to support your art. Yes. Your creativity. The moment someone supports your art, the moment someone supports your creativity, they control you. Yeah. They control the impact. They control what you say, how you say, how you do it, how mm-hmm. it looks, everything. And it could be subtle and it could start out subtle, but eventually you'll look and you'll say like, what have I done? Like, this isn't what I want to do. Yet, are there exceptions? Of course. But in terms of the norm, most people, they sell out without selling out because it's just so hard to be successful. So what does money do? When you are the source of your income and you have a mission, you can support your mission and actually implement your impact. So I started out and I wanted to do so much and I couldn't because I didn't have the financial backing to create all of these ventures and the products and the platform and to do what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So the moment that I had the decision, I had to basically say, am I going to give up? Am I going to sell out or am I going to become financially independent? And this is the difference maker. When you learn how to not only not demonize money, understand the infinite value of it once it's used right. Yeah. It's a different conversation. And this is like, especially when, you know, for example, in, in, in so many institutions and communities, wealthy people are supporting ideas, supporting initiatives. Yeah. Like the conversation that needs to be had in the sense of valuing money, but the right way, not just valuing the person who provides the money, but like starting the conversation of what money is. Because I've never, like, this is not something I've heard. This is not something someone's told me. This is like something which I experienced the hard way. No one's talking about this. And this this is a powerful conversation because it stops people from saying, I'm either going to become great or financially successful. Once you can bridge the two. Yeah, it is binary for most people. I know, especially, I mean, we don't have to talk so much about this, but especially in religious communities because- What happens is that money is very much connected to corporeal, physical, finite, limited existence. Mm-hmm. And it's either or. You're either spiritual yeah. or financially successful. Now, the reason why that, that is mostly true is because once you have money, you become corruptible. You yep. become susceptible to greed, to financial luxury, to laziness. But it's not definitively true. The ideal would be infinite of everything, infinite of finite and infinite, infinite of spiritual and physical. Now, only the greats can build the self-development, can build the self-discipline to harness the positive potential of money without giving into the negative. But so many people don't even know it's a possibility. So many people think that definitively I have to choose one or the other. And this isn't just true in religious this is true of people who grow up poor or grow up at least like lower middle class. They have a mindset of money is bad mm-hmm. because their parents raised them, telling them that money was bad because they had to for the sake of their own self-worth and identity. Yeah. 
Because in order to be great without being financially great, you have to define greatness that excludes financial success. And you have to demonize this so you don't want it because if you want it, you feel bad about yourself. So you have to convince yourself that money is the evil of all evils. It's it's, it's It's literally the worst of the worst. And that allows you to say, I'm living the best life I can. Once you change the conversation and you say there are different pathways, and I don't have to be financially successful, but financial success is not evil. Yeah. Especially when you have built yourself like the best, the ideal of all ideals is to start out not financially successful, build yourself up right, and then become financially successful. People who are born into financially yeah. successful homes. It's, it's almost like unearned success is the yeah. worst thing you can give someone because they don't build it. And when you don't build it, they're lost. Shame. It's like the greatest gift like millionaires and billionaires can give their kids is not giving them anything. Like giving 100%. them just stuff that they can build. It's like the, the famous, I think it was Warren Buffett or one of these guys who gave their kids like a million dollars. Yeah, it's Warren Buffett. Billions. But, so like I want to give my kids enough that they can do anything, but not enough that they can't do anything. Like that they can do nothing. Like I want them to have to become something as in they can't just like feed off of my success but you and i both know spoiled kids who are not spoiled mm-hmm. like they're not horrible people because they wanted to be they were just raised in a situation that gave them very little opportunity to actually become developed people it's like when you don't make your kids struggle Mm-hmm. don't become anything it's like ease is not the greatest gift you can give your kids it's enough ease that they can you know angelically ride through the greatest struggles of life and and try to gracefully it's like lifting weights you can't build the muscle by someone gifting you you know right you know i'm gonna give you the greatest membership ever it's like you know i want <laughs> get 100 workouts free because i know a guy like that's not how it works you have to right. work and that's like physical muscle, the same thing as existential muscle, spiritual muscle, yep. intellectual muscle, emotional muscle. It's you got to become, there's no shortcuts. There's <laughs> opportunities, but there's no shortcuts. So I, for the viewers that can't, some of the viewers will, will, will see this, um, you know, on a platform where you can see me, some will just share it. But for those that can't see, I'm sitting here with a sort of grin because it's, it's, it's very seldom, very seldom. Um, then I speak to someone who uh, I feel echoes so much of the the thesis and a lot of the work that I do and speak about. And I think we very similar in that way. Um, and just in the interest of time, here's what the f- uh, two questions I want you to think about and share with our audience. How do you, because I'm, I'm speaking to myself here, knowing that, you know, most people are automatons. Most people are zombies. Most people are not uh, going to be introspective, existential, deep, you know, sort of peel back the onion. Um, and you, you and I both know that in order to really truly live a wholesome, meaningful, and happy life, you, you know, you, you have to take a bit of a, a, a deep dive, understand the essence of who you are and where you fit in in your community in the universe, the fact that most people don't, and the fact that you know that be, that perforce they will probably have some many hollow victories in their life, isn't that extremely frustrating? And doesn't that want to pull your hair out? And isn't there a point in time that you want to just stand in Times Square with a microphone and just scream, 
you know, wake up. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of my, like, that's why I spent years becoming a motivational philosopher because the ideas are the important part, but waking people up is impossible with ideas. You have to kind of ignite the excitement and everyone, everyone listening and everyone who's listening, everyone, you know, everyone wants more. They want more from their relationship, but they want more from themselves. They want more in their career. They want more financially. They want more, you know, they want to feel vibrant and excited. They want to feel passionate. They want to feel like they're making a difference. They want to feel like they're living their purpose. But we, we quell, we, we, we kind of, we destabilize and we almost numb the, desi- the desire to become who we want to become because we're scared we're going to fail. We're scared we don't deserve it. We're scared we're not good enough. We're scared that we're normal. We're scared of what people will think of us. There's so many reasons why people don't. And when you can, like every time that I speak at a dinner, every time I speak at a conference, every time, and and you know this so well, it's like you're able to give people that little wake-up call. Yeah. My midlife crisis happened when I was 18, my near-death experience. It's that like out-of-body experience of like, what am I doing with my life? Like, when did I give up on myself? When did I decide who I am? When did I identify who I am not? When did I create my, like my standards for myself, how I show up in everything? When did Mm -hmm. I decide? When did I settle? When did I stop the process of my childlike curiosity of saying I can be anything and say, Mm -hmm. I'm just this and that's it. Like when did it happen? And for most people, they don't know when it happened, but they know it happened. Yeah. When you can just shake them a little bit, just get them, you know, wake them out of their stupor and make them feel what they really want. And yep. then give them like, then give them the journey, then give them the steps, then give them the actual process to building it as opposed to just, that's why I, I, I my biggest pet peeve are motivational, inspirational speakers, because they have all of the first stage and then they just leave people. No, like, yeah, there's Mark, no content, there's no message, no more. idea. It's just like, become great. You can do anything. Oh, it's like, yes, I can. And then they just like, leave. Like what, am I <laughs> to, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, you just told me what... I, I've heard a million times what I know you create the excitement, but you gave nothing. It's like all dessert, no content, like no meal. Like I'm yeah, not yeah, actually built to take the next step. I need someone to give me the next step. So when you can bridge inspiration and content, which is my lifelong fashion is bridging that gap, then you can actually create the yearning or really reawaken the yearning and then feed the yearning, which is people want actual substance. Everyone's like, we live in a world where everyone is convinced that everyone's like the standards of content are lower. Like people don't have the intellectual capability or interest to actually think. It's not true. Not true. Like, and the non like, think about Jordan Peterson, right? He is a hyper intellectual yep. who literally is just thinking at the highest level for millions of people, but millions of people, two hour long podcasts that are really just lectures. You know, Jordan, mm-hmm. Jordan talks a lot, right? So <laughs> what's happening? He's literally just lecturing. He's lecturing about ideas, about philosophical concepts, about hierarchies and categories and constructs and uh, literally thinking on the spot at the highest level, no, no, part, like literally. Mm-hmm. And people who would never read a book or listening because why are they listening? Because when someone is well-known, so mm-hmm. you have to like, you have to like everyone like, Oh, you should listen. Okay. Fine. I'll listen to this guy. Cause you have to, that's like the buy-in, not, not it's right. buy-in. Yeah. Right? you have to get the buy-in. But when you talk about ideas, 
ideas, not mm-hmm. like, you know, not just practical tools, strategies, not statistics, not studies. You're talking about ideas. Mm-hmm. It enthralls people. It, yeah. Like you can talk to people on any camp, politically, religiously, like anyone will be willing to listen to an idea. The moment you say certain names, certain authors, certain speakers, certain, then you then you get struggles. But yeah. when you talk about ideas, you can talk to anyone. Yeah, and people want it. They have convinced themselves they don't until they realize they do. And I think the biggest struggle for people is getting out of their comfort zone and being willing to walk into the unknown. Because once you've built your identity, once you've built your family, once you've built your career, to question. Mm-hmm. anything means to question everything and to go yeah. on the journey of saying, I'm going wherever this takes me, which is the journey to the truth. Most people are not journeying. They've just yeah. given up on the concept of the journey. They are where they are. They planted. Right? Mm-hmm. They're like we are not trees. Like conceptually yeah. we are trees. We grow, but we are just wandering birds. We are flying, literally right. trying to figure out who we are, where we're supposed to go. And when you can set down roots, but then replant, because mm-hmm. you have to commit, but once you commit, you never know where it's going to take you. So being yeah. willing to actually see where everything can go. That's why people are so scared of building real relationships because it's literally, it's like, it's a journey into the, I have no idea. Like every marriage is the most courageous act of faith. You have no idea who you're going to be in two years, let alone who they're going to be. It's like when you stop, like think about like this right now, your life is not that good. I guarantee your life is not that good because it could be better. Now Mm -hmm. it might be good, but it could be better. If you are not willing to make it better, it will only be the way it is. And are you really, really willing to live this way for the rest of your life? I guarantee if you think about it like that, your future self is begging you. Like, come on, like, just go, like, just go see, learn, think, question, just see where you can go. Because so many people, they're scared that their parents, their friends, their siblings, their spouse, someone is not going to accept them. And they're really scared that they're mm-hmm. just not worthy or capable or what if they fail or what if this doesn't work out. But like, what is your life going to be like unless you see what it can be like? Yeah. And going on that journey, like they're like you, you and I can tell people once you go, there is no going back. It's it sure. time to build the momentum. But once you start realizing where the journey towards the truth and towards your ultimate self, it, it is not only the greatest journey, it's the only journey. Yeah. And there's no roadmap. Like, you're going to have to figure it out. There are general guiding principles, but self-awareness. Like, you're going to have to just become your own your own guide as you gain insight from as many brilliant people as you can. You're always going to have to personalize it to just build yourself. And it's the most amazing journey possible. Could have said it better myself, maybe with a different accent, but certainly so much of what we're both about uh, are in sync. Um as the curtain comes down on this, obviously, I think we could go on for <laughs> for days. We can folks uh, learn more about you, more about the Self Mastery Academy, a URL, some, somewhere where I can direct eyeballs and traffic. So everything's on my website, shmuelreichman.com. And that's where you can basically find everything that I do, everything about me, all of my content, Self Mastery Academy, and just about everything else. So Shmuel, let me say this. Um, I know that you and I are, without question, we cross paths for a reason. I think we're going to be on this journey together. I hope, not I hope, I am no, have no doubt that the product will be greater than some of the parts. Thank you for being on the Anthony Gordon Show. Continued fantastic success. You're doing wonderful things. 
in uh, igniting a spark in a very dark world and uh, more power to you, strength from strength to strength. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for having me. And I have no doubt we're going to be doing amazing things together. Thank you.